You are now listening to The Big Data Beard. Hi, everybody. This is Corey Mitten with The Big Data Beard Podcast, and it is the final Big Data Beard Podcast before SplunkConf 19. And I am joined by one of the most uh, visible and uh, socially active Splunkers out there, Andy Mann, Chief Technology Advocate for Splunk. Welcome to the Big Data Beard Podcast. Hey, Corey. It's great to be here. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to have a chat today. It's a, all conf is, is on the horizon. Super exciting. So I'm really happy to be here. Man, I am too. It's, you know, most folks are probably just getting themselves kind of packed up and ready. They've probably reviewed the no before you go docs. And they're getting excited about seeing their friends and uh, hearing the great stories that are going to come out of comp. Well, Andy, for the folks that don't know you, why don't you give us a little bit of story of your history and what you do for the folks at Splunk? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my background is is pretty firmly in IT ops, although I've done some app dev as well. I was a systems programmer on mainframes many, many years ago. So I've got that legacy experience as well. Um, a lot of my life has been working in large enterprise banks, insurance companies, uh, logistics, uh, oil and gas, a little bit of government in there as well. Um, good chunk of time working for software vendors at Splunk. My role is sort of twofold. It's partially outbound communication, so the advocacy for Splunk, talking to customers about what we're doing, why we're doing it. I'll be active at .conf, working with our customers. I've got a couple of sessions I'm going to give, explain my point of view. I write journal articles. and I do podcasts like this, Corey. Um, the other half of my job is the inbound stuff, which actually no one sees, except people inside Splunk. And that's when I listen to my customers. Now, it's actually one of Splunk's core values that we have two ears and one mouth, and we should ideally look to use those in that proportion. So I try and spend more time listening than talking uh, and understanding what do my customers need and what does the market need for Splunk to do for them to be successful. So I work on product planning, on strategy. Uh, I, I sometimes work on M&A. Uh, anything that my customers are telling me we need to do, I can communicate that back to the product team, to the corporate team, to our leadership teams, uh, and help customers be successful. Absolutely. So you've you've been nice enough to take this uh, this wealth of experience and knowledge and actually uh, convert it into a couple of books over the years. I, I noticed you wrote a book called Visible Ops for Private Cloud and the Innovative CIO. Tell tell the listeners, you know, just what's the the basic premise behind those uh, those two pieces of work. Yeah, absolutely. Visible Ops, Private Cloud. So it's part of the Visible Ops series. Uh, there's a whole bunch of them. There's one on security. There's one on IT operations. Um, this one's about how to build a, a, a private cloud. Now, it's a little bit old now, so it'll be interesting to go back and see if I uh, how, how embarrassed I am at my own writing. Uh, but it's essentially talking about using things like virtualization and virtual systems and automation, even things like service catalog to provide a, a selection of, you know, of known good cloud systems. And that's really what it was about. And I think that core concept still flows, the idea of having a known good cloud system. Uh, so you're trying to let people adopt cloud and get the agility and flexibility, maybe cost savings, but without sort of putting the, the company into jeopardy by going rogue and having a, a, you know, a, a, a shadow IT setup. So that was Visible Ops Fight Private Cloud a little while ago. Um, the second book was The Innovative CIO. That was something that was a, as much a passion project as anything. I've been studying innovation for a little while now, and that was sort of uh, early in the phase where I wanted to write about, uh, this is going back to maybe 2013, I think, 
I wanted to write about how could an IT leadership actually change the needle for the business by using technology to innovate. So it's not just about you know, adopting cloud services or something like that. It's actually about how does new technology, cloud, IoT, automation, a whole bunch of other things, big data, how does this help a business deliver better results, both to customers, to shareholders, and on their corporate goals? So a little bit of a different look at technology from a business perspective. Absolutely. And and I think, you know, even though, as you said, there may be a little bit of data, I think that they're still absolutely ring true for so many IT executives today, which are looking to, you know, how do I how do I continue, as you said, innovating, but using technology to drive business outcomes. And over the, this, this season five of our podcast, that has been a, a theme that we've heard over and over from some great technologists is that connection point to the business outcome being so incredibly critical. You know, there's a lot of tech out there for tech's sake, but actually connecting it to an outcome is incredibly cool. But one of the ways that I see organizations making that, uh, uh, you know, bringing that to fruition is by, you know, this idea of creating a DevOps capability within an organization to change how the company runs the business, changes revenue streams, change the way it interacts with its customers. And that's something you've been incredibly focused on, it seems like, as I've, you know, kind of read through some of your latest blogs. Tell me why you're so focused in on the DevOps community today. Yeah, I, it starts with me being an operator. You know, I, I, I look at what DevOps is and what my life was in an IT operations environment. I think how much better it can be. Uh, in fact, how, how much better it can be than both of them, but certainly how much DevOps has improved the life of an IT operations person. You know, I lived the world of code coming over the fence and trying to figure out how to make it work and being on call and having no help while I'm on call because the dev team were done with their job. It was ops problem now. Uh, I've lived through that. And so I see what DevOps is. And, you know, I'll be very upfront. At first, I was super skeptical. I thought it was a, a dev takeover of ops. And I was very concerned for my peers in the IT operations world. But since then, I've, I've met a lot of people who have educated me and given me a great understanding, been lots of DevOps days and DevOps Enterprise Summits. And I've learned a lot. And I consider myself always a student. And I've learned that DevOps makes life uh, if not easier, at least more humane for my IT operations teams. Um, it also just delivers better results. You know, I've been involved in the uh, original Puppet Lab State of DevOps report for a while now. In fact, I, I actually remember being on a phone call around the very first edition talking about what do we actually want to find out about DevOps. And part of that research has shown incredible benefits to the business around agility, ability to get ideas in front of customers faster, ability to treat your people well, and yet still drive innovation, new product releases, new market penetration. You know, the idea that dev and ops can work together to deliver incredible business results has just been very, very appealing. And because I've done the research, because I've worked with my customers, I've seen so much positive outcomes from DevOps. And so, yeah, I've dived into it. I don't call myself an expert. I'm a perennial student, um, but I hope to share the what knowledge I do have. Absolutely. So what, what do you think some of the the biggest challenges exist today in organizations really realizing the benefits 
which by the way, I think it's comical. I, when I think about the benefits of DevOps, it doesn't, the first thing that comes to my mind is not the, the humane treatment of our teams, but I love that you've made that connection point and I can see logically where that comes from. But what, what do you think of those challenges that organizations face today in actually creating that DevOps cult, culture and capability? I think part of it is that DevOps is just not prescriptive and never has been. And that was by design as well. Um, DevOps was always designed to be a, a sort of a, a flexible concept. Uh, and DevOps, we, we actually wrote about this in our, in our research last year in the 2018 State of DevOps report. Um, DevOps is a nonlinear journey. Uh, some people will start with things like configuration automation or maybe provisioning automation. Other people will start at the dev end with, with you know, things like our agile development, uh, continuous testing, for example, uh, maybe release automation, you know, the working at that boundary there. And I think part of the biggest challenge for organizations looking to embark on DevOps is how do I actually do it? It's something we focused on again in the 2018 and 2019 State of DevOps reports. Not so much what does DevOps give you, but how do the best people doing DevOps get those results? So trying to put some prescriptive content there. I think that, So I think that's a, a really big challenge. And I would just say the other one is honestly tooling. You know, DevOps is not a technology. It's not even necessarily a technology acquisition, but it does change your process significantly. And a lot of the time, new technology is needed to accommodate that new process. And so understanding the vast landscape of DevOps tooling, all the way from planning through coding, testing, uh, configuration, provisioning, release, monitoring, incident response, feedback loops, it's loosely coupled. So there's not one tool that will do it all. And so it's a challenge to put that all together at the same time you're trying to develop your teams to do this collaborative and cooperative development and operations process. It's just a lot to swallow at once. And mm -hmm. the research we do see, organizations typically go into a dip just as soon as they're trying their DevOps because they learn all the things they didn't know. They learn to make mistakes. Uh, they do get better. The, the research definitely shows that DevOps does deliver better results in the end, but sometimes it's a challenge to get that skill set, to set up those teams, to understand where to start first. Yeah, it's, it's such a parallel to the data science world, which is that, you know, you have this idea that you want to go on this journey, but if you don't treat it, at least in the early days, like a research and development capability, right, where there's going to be some failures and the, the best ones fail fast and can learn from those failures, then it's definitely a struggle. Now, one of the things that, you know, we've, many of the listeners know, uh, we, the team at Big Data Beard, we've been paying attention to Splunk for a number of years, but it, it really didn't seem like you know, DevOps was the focus for, for Splunk as a, as a use case. Um, you know, we, we hear security, IT operations, business analytics, and IoT as kind of the four kind of primary use cases we hear about. But, but from what I'm hearing from you, it sounds like that there might be a way that Splunk really delivers some unique value into that DevOps process in bringing together, you know, that information across those systems. Help me understand why you and the team at Splunk have focused in on DevOps and the unique value you think you provide. Yeah, look, it's something I actually brought with me when I came into Splunk, what, four, four years ago now. We'd already been a platform for DevOps. Uh, we have Splunk Enterprise and Splunk Cloud, our core platforms. Uh, your listeners, I, I know you've followed us for a while. I appreciate that. And your listeners will definitely know what Splunk Enterprise and Splunk Cloud are and what they do. Uh, so I, I won't go into that. But they, we found when I joined the, custom, the company, I found that 
our customers were using Splunk for DevOps in all sorts of ways. So just to start with, one of the things which fascinated me was customers were using it to Splunk their pipeline. So to get analytics around their development and delivery process. So actually getting data out of tools like Jira, like GitHub, out of your testing tools, SonarCube, Fortify, AppScan, Selenium, uh, getting data out of uh, delivery tools and provisioning things like uh, Electric Clouds, EBA Labs, Puppet Chef, and then looking at that end-to-end delivery process. We actually, I worked with a small team, an innovation team, to build a prototype around uh, splunking your value stream all the way from planning and ideation in JIRA, for example, all the way to uh, delivery and even to measuring the impact of a new release by splunking the web data, for example. You know, how many customers are using certain features? Are they buying higher volume or higher value goods from me on my web store? And tying that back to code release. Oh, my web store is easy to use, so people are using it more, so they're buying more stuff. So again, this is coming back to this idea of connecting with the business benefits of technology. So that was one area. And then just the plain old allowing our application developers and IT operations teams to share a common source of, of truth around monitoring, observability, uh, incident management, and you're troubleshooting. So in a DevOps world, one of the tropes is, you know, developers carry pages. They get called out overnight. You, uh, I think it was Werner Vogels at Amazon at one point said, uh, DevOps means you build it, you run it. And so IT operate, uh, application developers all of a sudden needed to be able to run their own applications. So they needed monitoring, they needed observability, they needed triage, troubleshooting, investigation, monitoring. And so that's where we sort of really popped in the DevOps world was, oh my goodness, all of a sudden, everyone's talking the same language. Ops and Dev, one screen, shared over URLs, shared over chat channels, looking at the same information, having a conversation about what's wrong, how to fix it, all using the same information, not the, the, the old school way of, well, my monitoring says everything's fine, so it's your mm-hmm. problem. You deal with it. Yeah. Much Absolutely. more collaborative. Absolutely. Well, what's funny, you, you talk about that. We, we heard the term swivel hips, right? Where <laughs> people are swiveling between between different systems. Like, well, this one says it's fine. But one thing you hit on there is that that idea that, that people have to be on call to deal with it. You build it, you run it. And we had a conversation this morning with uh, Bill Emmett over at VictorOps, and I know you're right there in Boulder. How, how do you see VictorOps really, that acquisition by Splunk, helping, as you said, the story pop around Splunk for DevOps? I cannot tell you how excited I was when we when we acquired Victrops. I am local here in Boulder in Colorado. Uh, you can tell by my accent. This is my Colorado accent. I'm putting it on for you. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I know, right? Um, I can't get rid of this accent from 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 fifteen odd years living in, in, in the US, but that's okay. Uh, but I, I yeah, love Boulder, love the people here. Um, the technical talent in this area is significant. We've just, by the way, opened a brand new office here in Boulder. We're committed to this area and this region because we really believe that there's opportunities to tap into an amazing talent base out of you know out of the old school um, uh, businesses that we're here that, that threw off great talent. You know, we had Oracle, VMware, IBM. Storage Tech, Seagate, a whole bunch of other HP, whole, whole bunch of these legacy companies threw off some great talent along with the schools, uh, CU Boulder, School of Mines, uh, uh, Regis, a whole bunch of them. Um, 
and a whole bunch of networking companies and stuff. And now we see that this area is full of talent and the VictorOps team is just exemplary of that talent. They came in with a partnership with Splunk and I worked directly with them at that point, building a connection because they saw a lot of their customers were needing to do the incident management, the collaborative incident management that VictorOps is so good at, but they needed data in, turn, in order to make decisions on how to fix problems. And so they were using Splunk. So we worked together, integrated them, and it's just such a great logical way to work. You see what's going on in Splunk. You see what's happening. You're able to see when the problems happen. Our predictive analytics can get you ahead of the problem. Maybe you see it after it happens. You see spikes happening. So all of a sudden, off you go to VictorOps. Find the right people at the right time to address that problem. Use the intelligence built into that system to make sure, again, from a very DevOps mode, I'm not calling out the same developer five nights in a row because that's inhumane. That's not DevOps. Maybe I cycle that to a new developer who can help me fix the problem. But it's all in one screen. They can work together. They collaborate in a chat channel. They issue commands to Splunk. They look at Splunk dashboards. They do investigation to figure out what the problem is. And then we're also working on integration with Phantom so that VictorOps, when you find the problem, you can now automate the solution. And so this for me is just such a logical connection, such a, a, a such, I, hate, I hate the buzzwords, but such synergy between what Splunk does and what VictorOps does. And as we continue to integrate those solutions more tightly, the workflow becomes so logical to find problems and fix them together. And then, by the way, figure out what went wrong so it doesn't happen again and close that feedback loop. So the synergy there for me is just so exciting. I'm, I, I get very animated when I talk about VictorOps. Yeah, no, I get it. And, and candidly, I think the... That story of adjacencies between the tools, right, and the fact that they 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 offer such complementary uh, capabilities in that actual life of the developer, life of the IT practitioner, I think is brilliant. Now, I think this this DevOps concept of Splunk being used in a kind of an a, an emerging kind of new way, I think that f that flows really nicely and kind of follows that theme of this data to everything announcements that that happened over the last few weeks. You know, we saw an, you know big big event you guys hosted for you know executive customers and folks press uh, you know from around the world. What was your takeaways? What are the, the the key things that you took away from the data to everything announcements that you think are most exciting to uh, to Splunkers out there? So I think the key for me was really that that we do have data that can apply to all sorts of business decisions. And not just in technology departments. And a lot of the data to everything event and the the you know the measures that we're talking about that is is look outside your data center. We've got amazing capabilities inside the data center. You mentioned them before, right? The IT operations and application development, security and penetration and fraud detection, IoT management, business flow detection. But when you think about the sort of things we can do outside the data center, and here I think of edge devices, IoT devices, especially, and the analytics around some of the business use cases there. You know, you look at just simple things. Um, Gatwick Airport, Dubai Airports, getting passengers from the front door onto their plane faster. How can data be applied to that decision? 
So you get the data, you look at the data through the doors, you look at the data through the check-in systems, through the security scanning and, 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 and TSA kind of lines. You look at data from the stores, even from the bathroom, see where people are, where they're congregating. You see data from the gate lounge area, from the private lounges. So now I know where people are. Now I know where the bottlenecks are. And now I know how to put more staff into the right locations. Maybe it's the security line, maybe the check-in counters, to speed up that interaction. So now I've taken data to a business decision around how do I improve a customer experience in an airport? So this is the idea of data to everything. The big takeaway for me is that if you, it's the same data in a lot of cases. You take the same data from your IT operations environment. Maybe it's a network switch, for example. Um, maybe it's a firewall. Now all of a sudden you've obviously got security data. So it's not just IT data, it's IT and security data. But with a switch, for example, uh, you can actually look at payload data. And now I can start to see, oh, which customers are accessing my website? Where are they coming from? What are they spending money on? Where are they throwing out errors or exceptions that I need to deal with? And now I've got the same set of data applying to business decisions. So this is the idea of data to everything. It's not necessarily all the data, it's some data to all sorts of different business decisions. So that's just the mindset that I'd love the world to learn about Splunk is that, yeah, we've got, we've got data to IT operations decisions, to application development decisions, to security decisions. But you know what? We've got data that we can take to all sorts of business decisions, to every business decision. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, you know, one of the best ways for, for folks to learn more about Splunk and those those exciting new applications of a platform that is proven in some of the biggest companies around the world for, like we said, those, those kind of primary use cases. But if they want to learn some of those inventive ways to use that platform and extend how they're uh, using those one data sources for many use cases, Conf is an incredible conference or opportunity for people to learn. And and I know you've got some some sessions coming up, but you've got, I, I noticed two things. One, you've got a session you're doing called Splunk for New Ops around using data-driven IT operations to better manage IT systems at scale. What can folks, um, what can folks take away? What are some of the, the things they might uh, be teasers on why they should show up at Tuesday at 3 p.m. for your talk there? Yeah, look, thanks for the shameless plug. I appreciate it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, what I'm talking about there, this, this is this idea of new ops, which we're, you know, it's not coined by us. It actually came out of uh, another group, the DevOps Institute talked about the idea of new ops. This is the idea that there's a whole range of practices and processes that IT operations bring to modern IT environments that are fundamentally new. So we've talked a little bit about DevOps, for example. That's one of the ops that exists in IT today. But we also think about there are other teams doing things like cloud ops or web ops, right? They're just running cloud services. They're not doing any infrastructure of their own. They're just using the cloud environments that are available to run their systems. Uh, then we think about uh, you know, web ops, running web services and web systems. You often have teams devoted just to running a web store, for example. Uh, you see other ops. You see ML ops is coming up. So the idea of using machine learning to help you in IT and in help you in IT operations. AI ops is an extension of that using artificial intelligence techniques to help inform IT operations management, do predictive analytics, get ahead of problems. Um, there's a bunch of other ops as well, right? Um, I'm seeing data ops is starting to become a thing. Uh, certainly, you know, human ops, things like hug ops and chat ops. You know, uh, I saw a large bank in Australia yesterday had a major sort of 24-hour outage, and my first thought is, oh, hug ops to all the IT ops people working overtime to try and fix that. Um, 
So NewOps embraces all of this. It also, by the way, embraces legacy IT operations because as much as we would love it in a lot of our customers' environments, their enterprise systems, their legacy or traditional systems, they don't go away. We just add new ops to a whole bunch of existing traditional ops. And so what I'm talking about in that session is especially how to use Splunk to manage all of these new operational processes that you're being asked to do. Everything from managing cloud servers and cloud systems, you're collecting all that data, uh, looking at SRE type of processes. So observability, looking at managing by metrics, management, management at scale, looking at SLOs, how do you monitor and manage and track your SLOs using Splunk? Uh, how do you get data out of containers and microservices in a web or cloud ops kind of environment? and manage this all together. So we'll have demos. I think we've got five different demo sessions there. Um, and we're gonna show how do you do how do you do cloud ops with Splunk, web ops with Splunk? How do you do the SRE ops with Splunk? How do you do chat ops and collaboration with Splunk and Victor ops and SignalFX, by the way? Um, and so I'll take you into all sorts of ways of managing new IT environments using new ways of working with Splunk. Absolutely. And then immediately after you're going to run to your next session, <laughs> which is a, a, uh, an expert panel on the state of DevOps. It's on Tuesday at 4.15. And I just want to list off, this is a really impressive expert panel. You've got a, a VP from Goldman Sachs. You've got the CTO of Puppet. You've got a really senior systems engineer from Splunk that's working with customers. Yourself, you got a, a the dude that's the IT director for platform engineering from Sonic Drive-In and the senior director for platform engineering at LexisNexis. Like that is an all-star cast of folks. What are the, what are the, what are folks going to what topics are you going to tackle when you when you go through this kind of state of DevOps panel? Yeah, look, I just want to send a big shout out to uh, you mentioned one person there, Hal Rottenberg, the uh, senior staff engineer at Splunk, who put this panel together. He did this last year as well. We had a great panel. We have another one this year. I'm super excited. This is fundamentally to review a lot of the research we did around the 2019 State of DevOps report with Puppet. And so the CTO of Puppet will be there talking with us about that as well. We'll be looking at significantly this report about integrating and collaborating with security teams in your development and operations life cycles. So we'll be talking a lot about that intersection of development, security, and operations. We may or may not be calling it DevSecOps. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> nice. It might just be doing security for DevOps. That'll be a big part of that. We found out some really fascinating uh, uh, content and, and you know, research data this year. And again, focusing on not just what, best organizations get from doing this, but how do they actually do it? What practices do they use? So we'll actually be going through things like what security practices, <clears throat> excuse me, should developers work with their security teams on to deliver better outcomes in an application development environment? That's essentially what we'll be talking about a lot. But with that cast, we'll be talking about all sorts of things. Hal's going to be uh, moderating. He's a great moderator. He will come up with all sorts of interesting questions for that cast of, 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 of amazing, I have to say, amazing people to talk about DevOps. So yeah, that, that could cover all sorts of different topics. I'll see what it's like when I get up there, I guess. It'll be exciting. <laughs> I'm sure it will be. With that cast of characters, bound to be fun. Well, as we said, SplunkConf, tons of fun, tons of learning, incredible networking opportunity. Beyond the talks that you're going to be part of, what what are the highlights that you're looking forward to most in uh, Conf19? Oh, 
I will say, it's probably a little bit cliche, but I would say it's the people, it's the networking, it's the hallway track, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I I will get, I will be privileged to meet with probably a couple of dozen uh, customers in much more sort of one-on-one kind of settings and just to be able to talk with them and learn and listen and understand what are they trying to achieve? What is their business goals? How does Splunk attach to that? How can we be, get better? How can we deliver that success that they need to that is part of our ethos? That's probably, for me, the most rewarding. And by the way, just talking to customers in the hallway, not even at formally arranged sessions, having a drink at the search party, for example, with someone, uh, catching up with someone at the hall crawl when we go through the expo and look at all of our partners and sponsors, that, that opportunity to get that instant feedback is just so, I mean, it's energizing. Our customers are super excited about Splunk to start with, which just... It just makes me so happy when I turn up to one of our events and I see people like, oh, I can ask you, what do you use Splunk for? And they will literally gush at me about how good it is, how much it saves them work, how much it lets them get done. That is super energizing. As someone who works for a software vendor, to have customers tell you about that is just amazingly fulfilling. And then, like I said, being able to learn, this is the biggest learning experience for my year. When I think about that strategic work that I do, about product development opportunities, about M&A evaluations, about new market and market adjacency, even just about features and functions we need to sort out to make customers successful, this is the biggest learning experience for me. So I'm going to be using those two ears and one mouth and hopefully listening twice as much as I talk. Let's see if that works out. I love it. Well, we look forward to seeing you at .conf, and I know that our listeners, there's going to be a lot of you out there. I definitely encourage you to to connect with Andy. Wealth of knowledge, obviously, as we got a, just a taste for today, but definitely follow some great advice from Andy there on, you know, that there is a ton to learn from the people around you, and I could not agree more that, you know, while Splunk is an incredible software platform, useful in many, many ways, the community around it, the people that get excited about it, the passion, I think is absolutely, it's electric. We've learned a lot from our guests about big data, but now it's time to get a bit personal. In a segment we like to call Rapid Fire. All right, Andy, we're ready for Rapid Fire. The first question, I read that you're a video game fan. What video games are you into? Ah, Assassin's Creed. I'm about 140 hours into Odyssey right now. Uh, I can't wait for the next one to come out. Uh, RPGs, Red Dead, Far Cry, Just Cause. They're probably the ones that I'm, I'm having most fun with at the moment. I dig it. All right. What's the last, like, just really great book that you'd recommend to our listeners? I actually went retro and read a book called E. It's from 2000, and it's around the introduction of email. And it's, it's set in London, an advertising agency where they're just starting to learn how to use email. It's a riot. Uh, a really good mate of mine gave it to me. I hadn't seen it before. Oh, that's awesome. So you get to talk at, at Conf, and I know you talk at lots of events around the world. If you got to pick a song to be playing as like your walk-on hype song at a conference, what would that song be? So it's always back in black. It gets ah, strong. me energized, and it's an Aussie rock band. It's, that's my jam. That's perfect. Now, we love technology, but oftentimes uh, it doesn't work. So what piece of technology is making your life worse today? Bluetooth. Can we fix it already? I am so done with Bluetooth. (laughs) I could not agree more. It is such a pain. Like, why doesn't it work easier? It's ridiculous. What's your personal biggest money pit right now? Cycling. 
Um, oh, really? Okay. It's 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 a high value item. Um, yeah, no, I can. I well, it, it becomes very expensive when you start to plan cycling holidays. That's oh, where you goodness. get to. Yeah, so uh-huh. I love it, but it costs me. Well, at least that's a good hobby, though. At least it's it's healthy. You're exercising, and you're, you're getting to see some beautiful things. I dig that. Are there any particular shows that you're binging on right now? Shows that I'm binging on? You know what? I'm actually going back and rewatching Arrested Development. Um, it was non-ratings period for a while, and I got caught up in, in nothing, and I thought, ah, let's go back and watch something good. I dig it. All right, what's the next, besides Conf, what's the next really interesting place that you're traveling to? Oh, so I've got two really cool things I'm doing just immediately after Conf. One is I'm going to a conference called Code in Copenhagen, put on an organization called Pragma. I'm doing the closing keynote there. The other one that I'm doing in the week after is Web Summit in Lisbon. Massive conference, all about innovation. And I'm doing a couple of things there, including a, a roundtable on data at the Corporate Innovation Summit and a panel session on DevOps. Brilliant. Well, Andy, what's the best place for people to keep up with you on social? Absolutely Twitter. A-N-D-I-M-A-N-N. Andy Mann. Uh, I have no gatekeepers. No one posts for me. It's all me. I love it. Well, Andy, it has been awesome to chat with you. I so encourage our listeners to uh, to check out what Andy's doing at Splunk.conf. And thanks again for being on the Big Data Beard podcast. Oh, Corey, thanks for having me. It's gone so quickly. I, I already had a ball. Thanks for listening to the Big Data Beard podcast. This amazing adventure would not be possible without our incredible sponsors. We thank you, Dell Technologies, VMware, Red River Technologies, Aero Electronics, and converging data for making the road trip to Splunk.conf 2019 possible. And be sure to smash that thumbs up button so we can keep the episodes coming. Until next time, keep being awesome.